piss out of Brexit. Yeah. Because it's still the tensions are still super. High. Yeah, there's nothing more boring than taking the piss out of Brexit in London because yeah. you, broadly speaking, know that everybody's going to agree with yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. But if you go to Boston, Lancaster, yeah, Boston, yeah, that yeah. place, Boston, mm-hmm. in the north, in the yeah. south, yeah, near Norwichishness. Okay, so like, like a Brexit hotbed, the flatlands, yeah, of yeah. this country. Um, this is welcome to the show. This is um, Alfie Brown. Uh, stand-up comedian uh, and I've been a long time admirer of Alfie as a fan for a while because it was uh, watching Alfie as a stand-up which he is excellent uh, I realized it was sort of how I imagine people from underrepresented minority groups when they see the first person like them on TV they feel like oh I can do this and with me, I was like, as a quite arrogant and, you know, opinionated, privileged man, I didn't know how to express myself because uh, most uh, people who are cocky and privileged cuck it out on stage. Mm. Uh, it's a very British thing, uh, which is sort of kind of shy away from it to the point where it's like, I'm, I'm wearing a jumper. I'm actually zany. Uh, I hate myself. Um, but then I, I I did try that when I started uh, comedy. I did loads of jokes about being a virgin. And yeah. Young girls didn't want to speak to me, but it's, it's never really fit because people are like this guy. This guy clearly smashes. Yeah. So. Well, I've always I'm glad that you said that, and I've always thought of myself as a voice for the voices. Yeah, yeah. I think you're like the Lenny Henry of um, arrogant privileged men. Yeah. And finally, <laughs> there are going to be like. Uh, Middle-class Zoomers yeah, yeah, yeah. galvanised yeah, yeah. uh, by what I've been able to do. We can. Our voice matters. <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, that, that's good. That's good. I'm happy about that. Yeah. But um, I do... I'm saying that as a joke, but I do mean... Um, I think you do mean it. I do... I, I say it as a joke, but I meant every word of it. Mm, uh, if, you know, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of the joke, is yeah, that yeah. it's true. Yeah, that's completely and utterly true. Yeah. Um, I like that. Um, yeah, but how long did you? How long were you um, people pleasing for? I did. I, I I was for the. I did. I did all my first gigs at uni, so I did uh, two years. My first two years of comedy were all, very difficult. I, I imagine I never went. But, but I, I, I don't really view it as um, me starting stand up. So people ask how long I've been doing stand up. I don't really count those two years because I only did uni gigs. And it's mm. only when I started doing non-uni gigs that I started doing comedy because in, it's a different world out there. And like, I remember at uni constantly feeling like I was a hack because I didn't have any props or uh, didn't do any characters. Like I went on stage and talked about a, like a traditional stand-up, which in some ways you are, and so am I, which is you, you are yourself. You go on stage, you just discuss your life and your ideas. Mm. And that's kind of what I was drawn to. But I was sort of made to feel like... <laughs> It was like the hackest thing you could possibly do. And it's like, no, why aren't you smashing a boiled egg on stage? <laughs> like, um, and it's like, because it's all like very nervous, insecure students. It's like a very different vibe. All terrified of being themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. And then I wasn't that scared of being myself. And I, that's what I prob- the problem I had. And trying to navigate kind of the but class. was the material that you were doing like, oh God, look at me. I'm such a mess. Oh, silly me. The, the material was um, that I'm a creep. That I, I'm a virgin, uh, that I'm socially awkward, um, but I do it with such confidence, and well, confidence, well, aggression, that it just it just didn't click. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't true uh, either. Yeah, a friend of mine when I was twenty used to have this joke about going, oh yeah, because I'm a male model, and he's not a male model, and he wasn't a male model, but he also wasn't at all unattractive, mm. and was sort of tall and lithe, mm. and everybody would just go, well, you could. I mean, mm. you might just be having a bad day, yeah. like a slightly bad day. You're all right. That is that is really funny because... And it would just confuse people mm. because it was, the self-deprecation was misplaced. That's that's perfect because my first joke I remember when I started leaning into what I do now, uh, even with a slight bit of an alternative edge because I still had a kind of hangover from uni, um, it was basically implying that um, I did a joke about how I'm basically implying that I'm like a male model, I'm good looking. And then the joke was like, this is tense because I'm not good looking enough to be, you know, 
attractive. That was the first joke I ever I'm, saw you do. Yeah, uh, exactly. Upstairs at the Camden yeah. Head, which confusingly uh, is in Islington. Oh, yes. That was the you first time I that. air spoke to you as well. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side was, I'm not uh, ugly enough not to be. So it creates, and that basically sums it up. That's but that seems like a progression along from uh, what you were saying is like you, you, the self-loathing, uh, apologetic, yeah. uh, golly, isn't it awful to be me? Yeah, yeah. Sort of, uh, uh, a comedy that you'll see uh, people of our social demographic yeah. do. Um, that feels like a subversion of that, which is... Uh, in fact, how you started the podcast, it's funny because it's yeah. because it's true. Yeah. Uh, and because people acknowledge that quite adept and searing kind of self-critique. They go, oh, God, that's, that's oh, God, that's startlingly self-aware. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where the laugh comes from. Yeah. Which uh, seems like a good movement forward from the, um, oh, God, I'm so awful with women. But that's why, because what I like about you is that it's like, on the circuit, there are a lot of people, so many comedians of middle class, um, but I like the way you combat it, which is like unapologetically kind of uh, riling the tensions in the room uh, by like being, especially in British comedy, I suppose, because American comedy is kind of like a different beast, uh, but being that unapologetically high status, both with your personality and your um, background, was I think is a way more honest way to deal with class and privilege than this sort of like, it's like the way that uh, every clown, most clowns, like Gollier clowns, they are nearly always from unbelievably privileged backgrounds. And like, I'm not slagging, on the, uh, slagging them off, but it is funny that it's a lot of like, don't think about my privilege. And it's all this kind of like, constant, <laughs> like don't ask where I went to school. And it's like, you know, it's just like the whole thing is like a avoidance. You're wearing makeup. It's like trying to move it away from that. Yeah. That or being the, uh, the purposely unbelievably cucky, like I'm so shit, I hate myself, is still in a way trying to say avoid the topic where you yes. dive head first. Well, it's far less embarrassing to dive head. I mean, it's far less embarrassing to dive head first into the topic and be, I, I, I never... I never, it's, as long as you're not saying I'm middle class and, and inequality is good mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, everything's in its right place and here I am <laughs> at the top where I deserve to be. to me now. I'm like, this, I'm, I'm interested to see how, you <laughs> how this develops as an idea. <laughs> this is good workshop. Let's workshop it. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, I mean, it's it's much more embarrassing to be one of the myriad comedians who goes, "Oh my god, I'm so working class," and they're not, and it's a lie. Yes. And or be yeah. one of these like <laughs> when people complain about. I'm actually from a single parent family. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we uh, we we all are. Amazing. Like you know, you're, that doesn't mean that your you're parent born in the last isn't, forty years. Of course, like, you're like from a single Reginald parent Dwight Dwyer the <laughs> Third, mahogany <laughs> T. Chest Pollock the Third. You have posh parents. Of course, they got divorced. What yeah. are you talking yeah. about? Like, <laughs> um. So, yeah. yeah, much better to just yeah. kind of uh, confront it head on. Mm. Because if you're going to be anything, then be authentic. Mm. And you can't lie and, 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 and also um, obfuscate your past or be selective about uh, who and what you are because you'll present a false image to people, which is, uh, which is in, its, in and of itself a lie. So uh, I have no choice but to confront it head on. And I spent my early 20s being very embarrassed or like, don't ask the, my, who my mum is because she was on Radio 4 mm. and, uh, and hating all that. Uh, and then as you go older, you just go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be me uh, for a bit as sort of uh, uh, saccharine or uh, commonplace as that sounds. And, yeah. and, that, and everybody can just have to eat it. Uh, yeah, I have no. I, I I I can't I can't do anything about who you are, who I am, or my background. I just have to. I just this is what it's got to be. I'm afraid that's the essential thing I think about navigating identity politics from a privileged position. Is it has to be a consistent rule for everyone that you can't help who you are, and that applies to both you know, the far end of the most kind of unique and abstract identities to the most kind of oppressive and mainstream ones, this, the rule still applies. 
um, mm. as you cannot help who you are. And that's why I find sometimes the self-flagellation um, a bit tedious and also problematic because I think it avoids dealing with the subject properly. Yeah, totally. Uh, there's absolutely the, 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 the willingness by, um, by weak people to take on the sins of others. We can all agree together that mm. things are wrong. That doesn't mean that I'm uh, to blame yeah. for things. There are systems in place that perhaps I um, benefit from. I, I have never been stopped or searched except for... At an airport. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My friend Vaz, though, who um, is you know, been stopped and searched by Sorry? police. You know, been stopped and searched by police. No. Nice. Feel him, my man. Uh, <laughs> I um, I uh, <laughs> score one more for me. Uh, I my friend Vaz, who is of um, was actually from the Caucasus, but is of a. So is it other white on the? It's uh, like um, Ar Armenia. Okay. Uh, so it, uh, ethnically stop and searchable. Okay. Is how you describe it. Yeah. And uh, and he's got a beard and is you know is uh, neighbouring countries with um, lots of the uh, more tumultuous Arab states. So yeah. it could could be ethnically confused yeah. for them, and uh, and was going through like customs and they didn't stop him, and there was a moment where he went. Well, come on. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. got to stop me. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you're not... If you don't stop me, then who else are you letting through? Yeah. You've got to fucking stop what, me. So did he start getting nervous? Because they didn't stop him, yeah. And he's like, who, yeah, so then he started to get nervous. Because so, it's like, if they're not racially profiling me, then, then there's a terrorist be... on board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which I thought was quite an interesting... And, yeah. and again, funny, because it's uh, introspective and, uh, and, and quite funny in its yeah. uh, bizarre conflictions. Um, but yes, I, 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 I can't really be doing with the idea that I'm, you know, I've, I've got, there are enough things that I am to blame for without. Yeah. yeah but you're, you mean your personal shit. You know, I don't, I just don't understand syllogistically how I can, if we move through the trail yeah. of blame, how I can be held up. But that doesn't mean that we can't all come together against these things. It just I'm not going to come on stage and go oh, I'm the I'm so the problem yeah. because I my intentions are not shit and yeah. I will anyway this is I mean this is like a Twitter nightmare but this is the sort of the vibe of the podcast isn't I'm it? trying to create a slightly um, uh, certainly um, you're trying to create a Twitter storm not really I'm just trying to um, really lean into you know what you, we actually think about these things. Um, I think there's a rather funny balance to be struck between um, between like new new left comedy, yeah, which is entirely... It, people walk on stage and want congratulations either for what they think or who they are. Mm -hmm. And any comedy that begs congratulations is... It doesn't really feel like it has the right spirit of interrogation mm. about it because comedy is for uh, unpicking consensus yeah. and to test the limits of ideas. That's what. That's surely what it's for. If you've got people coming on stage and going, "I'm this," and I think it's brilliant. It's not. It's for shame. It's to unpack shame so that other people who might be ashamed could go, well, I actually feel, I feel shame as well. So that's great. But they don't. They go, oh, my God, that thing you said you feel ashamed of, you should be ashamed of yourself. Go, yeah. I am. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, but between this new left um, uh, movement and then the right, which seems to be entirely based around not any interrogation of its own fallibility but by saying look at them aren't they stupid yeah or just completely innocuous dog shit that you find at those yeah, comedy yeah. nights like uh, like comedy unleashed where people are going so my mother's from here and i'm from here and go whoa get yeah, back yeah. on the leash <laughs> oh there whoa where's your mum from whoa calm down 
the free thinking comedy club. You won't be saying that at mainstream comedy. <laughs> Where's your mum from? Shh. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, so uh, my friend's done that gig and said that like the his like edgy stuff that does well everywhere does so much better there because every slightly offensive thing you do has the uh, implication. Comedy Unleashed, by the way, is a kind of a free speech night in Bethnal Green. Um, but every joke you make at that night has the implication that this is the only place you can do it. So that creates a much more raucous energy because like, if you're talking about you know, having like an ironic view on paedophiles that you know, a lot of comedians can do everywhere. If you do it there, it's the implication. It's like, I've been trying to say this forever, but this is the only place where you accept it. And everyone's like, yeah, it is. Tell me more. Any com- old comedy club where you go, like, oh, this this stuff's just for you guys. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. stuff's just, oh, yes, yeah, we've yeah, managed yeah, to create yeah. a community around the fact that we all agree. It's just the easy, it's the easier thing to do uh, is to do comedy about what everybody's already made up their mind about and to confirm people's, broadly held belief about things because people will be relieved that somebody agrees and is saying it on stage but if you can make people laugh by saying you know the thing that we've all made our minds up about what if there is a useful way to highlight hypocrisy in that that helps us better understand the way in which we think about that in our everyday life and give us a fuller idea of our understanding of everything yeah because i i spoke i had a with a lot of the stuff that's happened over the last four or five months where even that, sorry? all the stuff, all the things. You but know, I, you know, I don't know whether things. you're talking about the political... Um... I'm basically talking about the whole thing. Coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Too, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, JK Rowling. JK Rowling. The whole thing, how it's just... Whatever we were culturally on has been turned up, you know. You know, mm. just... But it seems now, more than ever, the kind of art and activism are blurring lines a lot. And I had a, I was had a call yesterday with a friend of mine, and he raised a really good point that, um, in a way, politics, the point of politics is that you're meant to enact change. That's sort of like the point of it. And then art, sort of the point is you're meant to find the truth. And those are kind of the two sort of roles of art and politics in many ways. Politics are trying to practically enact change and art's trying to find the truth and, you know, as you say, unpick consensus. But then with activism, it's now sort of blurred the lines between both of them and they sort of, in many ways, a lot of politically active artists, they seem to do neither because they don't have any pressure to enact change. But they also feel uncomfortable to have that distance to tell the truth yeah well i think there's a the the like the corona the the lockdown influenced the way in which we reacted to these events and the because i'm trying to work on a bit at the moment or at least I'm not because there's no point. But um, yeah, there's no no point. But it's fun to talk about anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, something else. What can I do with it? This 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 information. These new things that I've got to say. If I'm not gigging, what do I do with them? Do I just say them into high. This someone will see this idea. It will resonate negatively or positively with someone. So in the many ways, it will have reached well, done its thing. But yes, but I haven't, is, it haven't finished this yet. Um, and it's actually still just an idea. Half baked. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's so far away that camera, but I get the. F- I know how yeah, well you, it can you know see how, me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, it's a misconception. So mm. it can see you in many more ways than one. I apologise to the uh, viewer about my having my headphones on, but it's quite nice to keep the hair out my eyes yeah. when it's hot because these lights are quite. Sorry to break the illusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, is the Twitter WhatsApp disparity? Yeah. Because on. Twitter, like when Boris Johnson was very ill, uh, he, everybody was going, oh, well, I really hope, I dis- I disagree with him politically, but I actually really hope he survives. So, you know, well done, me in a way. Um, <laughs> whereas if you speak to the same person on WhatsApp, the guy, I hope he dies in a, in a quite a fat, gasping way. Yeah, yeah. I hope he dies in stupid, indignified 
undignified in anyway uh tell it's a work in progress yeah. uh but i think that's the way in which when when we were locked down it it affected the way that we would usually react to um awful news and uh socio-political events yeah because we didn't have anybody to interact with about it so we couldn't interact in yeah. a kind of human way with people. So we went, uh, well, I just need everybody to know that I'm, this is how we communicate now. Yeah, Everything's yeah, bad yeah, and yeah, yeah, here's yeah. my voice. And, yeah, yeah. and other comedians, when uh, 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 a bad comedian and bad guy, James Veach, was um, yeah. uh, outed as a sex uh, shit. He's coming on next week. So. He's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... He's a boy gone wild, you know. I I think wild <laughs> is quite a, is a, a friendly knockabout yeah, term. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that was your joke. Sorry. Um, so, but then everybody was on the internet going, uh, why are not more comedians on the internet saying that they disagree with him sexually abusing people? And I went, I don't, I just came on here to look at football transfer rumours. I'm not here for, this doesn't, my voice and the, I'm not a spokesperson for my own... <laughs> Kind of, this isn't where I come yeah, to share yeah. these thoughts. I just, this is not what it's for for me. I don't, I want to know if Tiago Alcantara is any close to signing for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, uh, update, he is and he, he is. has. Yes. But I, and, and I am against James Veach's sexual assault. But can I just. But I haven't said how happy I am about Tiago Alcantara signing. And I also haven't said that I'm against the war in Libya or anything like that. Lebanon, sorry. Even though I was locked down. Uh, in Sussex, quite far away from you, your silence was deafening. On which on of the yeah. and and no, I mentioned I mentioned that I was against um, the death of George Floyd. Yeah, but um, apart from you, the, your, I think that your, was the only thing I vocalised on, on Me Too. Your silence was so loud it couldn't I couldn't sleep because your silence was so deafening. I got an apology message from somebody. Really? Because mm. they were worried about having Me Tooed me. Really. That that was that was my um, most uh, depthful and earnest interaction with the Me Too movement was being a victim. And what did you did you say it's all right, or did you say said, you have a lot? You hold a lot of cards when someone apologises for Me Tooing you. I said bad news. <laughs> that is not going to cut. Yeah. That is not buttering any parsnips with me. Uh, no, I just said, um, oh, thanks. Uh, for apologising. Uh, was it bad? No, not really. No. See, the, but the thing is, but then the, yes. the awkward conversation is, is that wasn't... there are men who, because I, even I know in the industry, um, male friends of mine who have been really uncomfortable, but because it's such new territory, they don't know how to express it with like f females being sexually um, kind of aggressive towards them but i my my friend is uh my my uh, my friend is like muslim and uh he a, a girl practically like sexually assaulted him but the way he told it was like it was a goofy story and we all like laughed and the only re reason i realized how like mental it was and it's it, it's because it is just different it is different it just is because the way that he can tell this kind of Story that is so not on, but the way he said it was like this kind of fun laddie anecdote about a time that. Yeah, a girl, I'd be interested like, to investigate to... why it is different. A mate of mine fucked his teacher when he was 15 years old and she was 32, and it was just the best thing that ever happened. Oh, to I, can't, him. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, was this at school? Yeah. Did you know the teacher? No, it was a different school, but he. Uh, but it was like a rumor that went round and tra travelled schools. But I spoke to people and him about yeah. it, and he he was. Um, Quite pro the uh, I event. I, I don't. It might be sexism from me, but when I see an attractive um, female school teacher sleeps okay. with a fifteen-year-old boy, could have been teacher, could have been child, could have glad, been. Glad it, glad it went teacher. <laughs> could have been because this is no holds bars. This podcast is the free thinking podcast. Say whatever you want. Unleashed. No, no accountability. No responsibility. I'm going to get that in Latin. Underneath the logo. That's nice. <laughs> and an old picture of yourself as if you're like a, a, st a stone bust. That was the, That's a good idea. You should get yeah. a stone bust of yourself With, and have no. it in the middle of it. That's a really good that's idea. That's a good one. That's, a stone I've got it saved. bust of yeah. yourself. 
yeah. in the middle of the table. With no accountability, no responsibility in Latin yeah. underneath it. Maybe with um, those olive branches around as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was, I, what was I saying? About, yeah, so the school, the school uh, I see an attractive female school teacher. You know, lad by would always share that to you. I, I, immediately, I, I don't know what was in it for her. But I don't know why that is. If I see an attractive male teacher sleep with... Well, that's yeah, like, but of I course they would. But I then when the I see it, with... I'm like, what was in it for you? Well, she's in a Fieber file. Maybe. Well, that surely. <laughs> Otherwise, why would she have fucked a teenager? Because it's so naughty. You, you, yeah, but you only get off on that if you are an Fieber file. Surely. Which is, uh, I'm glad they have made the distinction between Fieber file. You and know, Hebrew on file. the internet, there's no good time to point out the difference. That is true. Just whenever anybody goes, oh my God, R. Kelly's a paedophile. Um, yeah. <laughs> Technically, he's actually in a paedophile. You know, the way I saw it, someone deal with that topic was using the kind of woke aesthetics and a, a style to deal with it, which is you come at it saying like, it is uh, victim erasure of paedophiles by using calling hebophiles paedophiles. That's the way you get into it. Hebophiles, yes. Yeah, I've, I've heard hebophiles as I, well as ephebophiles. I've, I've only ever said it out. I've never heard anyone say it back to me. I've only read it and said it out loud. I've seen it spelt two different ways. One in which is the spelling. Whatever way. that is, which is um, sleeping with... Uh, uh, or just being phys- just being sexually attracted se- se- to sexually attracted uh, to between twelve and sixteen or uh, young below teenagers. below sixteen young teenagers post puberty. Um, uh, the way to approach it is uh, saying that it's like offensive to victims of paedophilia. Is, yeah, is your yeah, way yeah. In. Mm, that's good. So you can take that. That's something to take away with you. That's a goodie bag. Yeah, but it's not what I I want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, I wanted to antagonise people, but yeah, that if I yeah. if I wanted to give it um, twenty twenty ready window dressing, mm, yeah, that would be the way to go about it. And I thank you for your hints and tips as a no as worries. a wild boy, as a wild communicating boy, communicating to another more domiciled boy if anything. But um, yeah, no, you're you're definitely more of a boy gone wild. I mean, you're just because you're ten years ahead, and it's interesting. What? Go on, sorry. No, go on. I was just—I mean, I mean, it depends how you define wildness. Living in West London with my three children—well, two, but three, potentially. Touch wood. Uh, that seems like quite a, like a—that's—that's that's the opposite of wild. Yeah, but that's, how do they come about? Because I came about. Exactly. I'm sorry, but your three children in most things—it's not like because of your suburban kind of living that uh, safe dream. Uh, this is the time to have kids. I might as well. Fair it's enough. one of the maddest stories. One of the most boys gone wild things ever was how Donnie was born. Yeah, that's true. So that's it's true. like even you, what's funny about your life to me. Of a one night stand listener. That's yes. the uh, that's the lurking truth beneath yeah. all these. Um, what's funny to me about your life is it that you have a lot of the things that a very stable normal life would have you have many of the facts about your life are the same as like people I went to school with who are now an estate agent. Mm. You know, you have all those things, but how they came about is the complete opposite, which is um, Alfie's first child was born via one night stand. Uh, how, do you, how many times have you met the mother? Twice before? No, a couple, maybe. Couple. Uh, briefly, briefly. Like acquaintances. Yeah, and what's, what's really funny um, uh, is that <laughs> when Jessie talks about it, how it's still like she's still unclear if you're her boyfriend or not, <laughs> <laughs> which is really, really funny. I, I I respect the long game, still making it unclear at the third time. <laughs> she uh, she said to me last night. She said, "Well, we're in a uh, like you know, it's a stable monogamous." And I went, "What? <laughs> monogamous? <laughs> oh no!" <laughs> um, but then this is just the uh, funny ways in which we rile each other up. She'll call me a loser or whatever anyway mm. it's all good it's all the fun of the fair isn't it all the fun of the fair um but what i also find fascinating about your relationship with jesse is that um it's such so rare to have lost like not you don't have the beginning of a relationship you don't have those things yes i feel quite like i've lost out there there's lots of you know young and uh nubile relationships uh that uh 
I feel quite jealous of. And when friends of mine say, oh, we're just going to have a couple more years. We're going to get married and have a couple of years mm. just for us. And then we're going to think about kids. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, well, yeah. where was our couple of years just for us? I would have liked to go to, um, I don't know, yeah. uh, Sorrento. Yeah. Or I would have liked to go, um, you know, interrailing or do, do whatever it is couples do. And they'd like travel. They usually travel and they mm. usually go and see lots of friends and the theatre without too much and concern. And no responsibility for... or stuff like that. Just, yes, I think yeah. that's quite... A, that's no responsibility, a... no accountability. Yes. <laughs> Boys gone wild. <laughs> um, yeah. That is rough, though. I feel like, like I've lost... Yeah, look, but then, you know... But what then, you but have, they will be though. quite young when they, um, then they fuck off to university or wherever yeah. they go. I'll be, I'll be... When Donnie's 18, I'll be 45. That's mm. great. Mm. What a dream. How old are you now? I am 23. Four so. years left. Yeah, so that you, you, there's lo- loads of uh, pros, pros, and Donnie's actually been in this room playing Sonic Sega Racing. Yeah, and he is a, an excellent boy. Um, so I think though you have missed out on the honeymoon, well, like the kind of normal period of these things, the accident has led to quite like in many ways a very lucky outcoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what. Well, when lots of people have said to me, "Are you going to tell him he's an accident?" I went, "Well." It doesn't really matter, does it? Yes. I, I kind or... of wish I was an accident. Weirdly. No, I mean, it, like, it doesn't mean it's the best accident I've ever made. And I, also, the amount of stupid things I've done on purpose. I mean, I, 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 I watched There Will Be Blood on purpose. It was very boring. Don't give me all I'm of that shit about to. how that's wrong. To. But it's like, just... it was the most boring film I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And Daniel Day-Lewis is such a bad actor. Yeah. Um, you going to bite? Check the, no, I'm not going to. Are you going to bite? I'm not going to bite. You'd like to, though, I'd wouldn't like you? Because do you know what? I tell you why he's a bad actor? No. Or, no not why, but because what traits no, on, manifest. Go on, go on. He acts like he's looking at himself in a mirror. Okay. So you can see the, the, the cogs moving. It's just so. I mean, this is an odd thing to say about an actor who uh, would, would pride themselves on the. But then it's. An actor shouldn't really be uh, performative. Although it is a performance, mm. it shouldn't be performative. It should be, it should be, you should be able to realistically evoke the emotions that you're having. Whereas it's just so large and vain and uh, pompous, every performance he gives. Yeah, I mean, it's pompous because often the method in which he did it. Um, and I think Daniel Day-Lewis, there's something in, in, incredibly funny about Daniel Day-Lewis being his like mental disorder going into acting where he's so method that, and like he will have to teach every film, he says he's going to retire because it's clearly too much. And like, then he'll go to, he went to Italy for three years to learn how to make shoes. He spent four years in um Ireland, I think, making like drywalls as like a construction, like a like does these these mad things, um, and I just think there's just something so funny about that level of profound commitment to something that's important, but no, not that important. And I just I, f- I find it quite pleasurable to see. It's, he's really trying so hard for such fine margins. Yeah, because you could probably just try and like turn up to work as Daniel. Do a bit of acting, then go home and have like, like a top like a lasagna. Like most top actors. Like most top actors. Yeah, but he to get the extra little bit. He that does we can't, get that little bit though, but it is. I don't very think he small. does. I think it. I think it's less enjoyable to watch because you can see like the the blood pumping. What I would say is, it's like there. He's not like one of those actors who like it just spills out of them like they're just a normal person. They just express themselves naturally, but he is. I like the way that he completely embodies someone else and it's so far removed from him is partly why it feels a bit disconnected because it's so clearly farly removed from him and like but that surely is not is the exact opposite point depending on what film it is like I love Brad Pitt Mm. in that bracket of like top top like big money but he is Brad Pitt in films even when he's doing good films he's often Brad Pitt do you know what I mean Mm. Um, in it, obviously Daniel Lewis is Daniel Lewis because the star around him, but Brad Pitt 
takes his personality and puts it into the role. Sure, same with Jack Nicholson. With with most actors, top but, actors, you it's like there's the create the thing is is that they it's not them just reading a script and like trying to do it unless you're like from like a very radery background. It's like a lot of more American film style acting is like you embody you throw in parts of your personality into the thing and that's kind of like what gives it the edge and that's what people subscribe to watch the films. I enjoy that for some roles, not every role needs that like naturalism. Sometimes they need that commitment to But Anthony Hopkins is able to be brilliant without ruining his life. That's no, I I agree with that. I think the ruining his life is a pretentious and unnecessary, but I I do also think he's one of the best actors of all time. Um, but the thing is, so I've actually, the reason why I kind of pulled back when you mentioned that we blood is that film is something that I have sort of refused to talk about on this podcast. I like talk a lot about things I don't know about mm. or ke- like, because I can be funny about things I don't know about. Like I talk a lot about philosophy, politics, football, things like that. And I've, Anything you only have a passing. I have a passing. I'm an armchair, and like the, the the funny comes from the fact that anyone who knows actually knew philosophy would know I'm talking nonsense and stuff mm. like that. That's where the funny is. And I've thought, oh, I've done a degree in film. It's like my biggest passion. Maybe I should try and work. But there's no take I have on film that isn't unbearably sincere <laughs> and horrendously unfunny. <laughs> So it's really quite, I really, I've never found a way to be funny about film. That's why I basically never talk about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, 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 I just can't have... find the funny because I get too upset uh, and I have too many. Oh, but that sounds quite funny. You Maybe. getting upset yeah, about yeah, film. Yeah. Because I just have so many opinions on it. I know. I'd love to hear them. I, I have so many opinions and also a lot of my kind of act is that this is what you should be you should be the film version of the needle drop I should be but it's I won't what would that be called I won't be funny what's the material called that uh, goes into the the vinyl no the no the that, that reel that se- yeah uh, that sets fire celluloid celluloid. Celluloid, celluloid drop the celluloid reel the celluloid yeah. boy celluloid yeah I mean like, I, the thing it, it's it's almost like I'm fine firing out like obnoxious takes on politics and stuff like that and riling people up in that but I just don't think with film I'll be able to I just don't know if I'm ready to one take <laughs> but this is I think good so you can you can use philosophy or politics or football or whatever yeah um to 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 learn how to negotiate Opinions, yeah. without real uh, any real investment in them. So if those opinions get knocked back, you go. I'm not a philosophy student. I'm not. I'm not hurt. By I'm not you. a philosopher. I doesn't. I don't need to have. You know. But this will be good training for one day <laughs> when I say I think the Joker was good or bad, depending on what the opposite of your opinion yes, on that sure, film sure, is. Sure, sure, sure. And then you can go. Well, I can actually be funny about because I there is of course. I mean, I'm so. I'm so excited by you discovering this. Yes. Uh, this and, and this is this is truly going to be a uh, a career building uh, moment f- facet that you're going to develop. Do you think? Yeah. Um, it's also because I just also know my face. My face heats up when I talk about a film because I I know I've had. I you actually blush when I mentioned there. Yeah, it's true because <laughs> That's it's so fucking funny. It, it, I I blush. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because when I when I hear someone talk about something they know a lot about and get upset when people talk about it they're unbearable and i know that i i can't it's so in most things i'm ready to hear other like do you know that thing when you hear people talk about it and like saying their opinions and it's just a nice conversation but you know too much about it but you can't it's like (laughs) do you know what i mean it's like when you hear two people sometimes when i hear two people talk about film it's like i want to have like a like a really friendly, nice conversation. Yeah, a friendly knockabout chat. I know way too much about both sides, <laughs> yeah. the history of both those directors, the whole thing. And I have so many opinions that one, I'd completely dominate the conversation and two, I'd completely change it from a nice, leisurely chat. Oh yeah, or when like you think, when people, I have too many opinions about this to be like, to, to be still be likable by the end and of it's, it. It's all, I, it's, I have the same thing as I'm sure you do when someone who's not a comedian talks about comedy, when they're like, mentioned like a mainstream special uh, and say, oh, I see that. That was really nice. Did you like it? And you're not going to go like, uh, no, it's 
I watch too much comedy and is actually a bit boring and hack because you're just an absolute prick. Like it's the same with films when someone's like, oh, I saw that film. You like films? What do you think of that film? And I, I, I have I have a mammoth load of opinions why I hate it, but it's such an awful thing to say to someone who's like kind of trying to connect with you. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Outside the co- outside the gym yesterday in the coffee area of the gym. Nice. My gym has a coffee area. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy on the phone talking loudly to his friend, recommending a shit sitcom, <laughs> saying how good it was. And yeah. I, it was on the table next to me, and it was like, oh, I, 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 if I, maybe I should just have a word with him and say, like, listen, have you seen Crashing? It's really good. Mm. Um, have you seen? You, you recommend that to me? Actually. I did okay. recommend Crashing, but then also I wouldn't recommend Crashing to the fucking personal trainer because he's not going to get up on all the kind of beautiful nuance about what it's like to be an just, open spot comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is why it, it, despite being brilliant, it lacks mainstream success and isn't going well, for a fourth so, series. It's so specifically It's aimed. just so well observed about yeah. the tragedy of the open mica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Girls, that's a, that's a broader and quite brilliant sitcom. So I love Girls. I think Girls is a great show. Me too. But I'm fascinated by Girls because it's such a brilliant show. Loads of people hate it strangely even like the people it's aimed at hate it um and then lena dunham who has made one of the most well-observed self-aware interesting unique takes on being a privileged metropolitan kind of intelligent but out of touch woke liberal but then outside of that she completely embodies everything she was commenting on in the show with no awareness, which is what's so bizarre. Like reading some of her articles where she comes across just as badly as her characters do, Mm. but the characters are so imbued with self-awareness and so well-observed. It's so bizarre. Well, actually, I tell you what, we've just mentioned completely coincidentally two um, uh, things that Judd Apatow has a heavy hand in. Yes. I don't know about Lena. I can find it completely perplexing. Where, where has she gone, and what is she? What what's happened to her that means that she's complete, completely lost touch with what it is to be, um, that character that she wrote so well. Like it's, it, I often say this about Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, how, how Ricky Gervais comes across now, is he seems like the sort of person who wouldn't have got the office. Yeah, and that. Is I such see. a I see, yeah bizarre point. Like he's he is uh, completely out of touch with his own with him with himself to the extent that you just go well. There's no way you would have liked something as subtle as The Office, given how not subtle you are. How could something so subtle then that a man then create things that are such an Profound garbage. Unwieldy sledgehammer of shit. Um, and I mean that in many of the uh, ways in which he operates today. Um, and the same is true of, to a lesser extent. I don't know what else. Have you ever seen anything else she's done apart no, from Girls? I haven't. But it, and it's obviously... It's an, sometimes it's funny watching... I like watching American sitcoms like Girls, uh, even though I hated it, Master of None as well, um, because... It's it. There's something comedic about how much money is in American television compared to British television. Like the quality of the actual craft of both Girls and Master of None is so extraordinary. The lighting. Uh, Claire Danes has a cameo. You know the the names who in do, which uh, in Master of None. Okay, she does, yeah, and like in Girls, there's huge names, and it's like the these huge party scenes that are like liquid, just all edited to perfection then you come to like even the great british shows and it's clearly they've filmed and they've got two hours to shoot in that park before it gets shut down you know and they've got to do it and hide the cameras and stuff and it's all like oh it's shaky camera no it's because you couldn't afford a tripod it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? but sorry back on ricky gervais i feel ricky gervais is in a interesting bracket of men i guess it's relevant because he is in many ways a boy gone wild who i think he is the similar to Arsene Wenger and Robert Mugabe. Uh, I think Perfect. the three of them have very similar career trajectories, which is 
opening up their beginning. So Robert Mugabe came into Zimbabwe and was, to begin with, much like Mandela. He did the beginnings of what Mandela did. Okay. Incredible innovation and of education. Sugar and lumps ending, on tongues at half time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, ending colonialism in Zimbabwe. That beginning of that is why he had such long staying power. And then, obviously, his approach to it was kill all white people and give the farmland back to people who've never farmed before. Arsene Wenger comes in, one of the most revolutionary opening 10 years uh, of any manager ever. From basically 1997 to the 2006 Champions League final, Arsene Wenger revolutionised the Premier League. And from that, from that final to when he started, had an incredible success. And then it's extraordinary how deluded and like kind of like a mad king he almost became uh, near the end of the last 10 years, some of the decisions, some how, uh, you know, the club was managed at times. And Ricky Gervais, the opening 10 years of his career, as much as people love to shit on him, I do, st- he's made my favourite TV show ever. Mm. He's also made my favourite podcast ever. The Ricky Gervais show is for me one of the funniest shows there's ever been. Uh, he also made extras and like all of that was in the kind of beginning 10 years. But then he also made Afterlife, which is, so extraordinarily bad it's it takes on a new it's unique it is a do you know there's things that are bad Mm. which are like bad because they're so hack and like so derived afterlife's not derived it's completely unique but it's shit do you know what i mean it's like it's like a new form of shit i've never seen Mm. and because of his success in the beginning he's been given a sitcom where he writes, directs, and does all of that and has complete auto control in Netflix that very few comedians have ever been given. And that's why it's so uniquely shit. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. I'm still thinking about Mugabe, Arsene Wenger, and <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like dream dinner party. Um, I wonder if they traded jobs yeah they might have created so maybe if uh, ricky gervais got zimbabwe yeah if arsene wenger made afterlife <laughs> and um what's robert mugabe doing robert, robert mugabe's mugabe. managing of arsenal <laughs> they, they they all might have thought well actually i'm a bit out of my depth here yeah. i'm gonna have to delegate yeah. And they would have actually created something like Mugabe probably would have gone. Listen, I'm gonna need. I have to have a director of football and some new coaches. Steve Bold's not going to cut it. He's not going to cut and it. And I'm going to need somebody to oversee. All I'm going to. All I've. Been, I've got Danielson. I don't know who. What's Danielson doing here? He's obviously he, too he lightweight would, for he the would Premier say League. Like yes, I, I. It's important to have values and a playing style, but this club needs trophies, and that's this, what people would say. Pundits would be like, "What I like about Mugabe is that he he's here to win trophies. That's what he cares about." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then um, who would who's man? Yeah, so Arsene Wenger's afterlife. <laughs> yeah. Arsene Wenger would do a great job with Zimbabwe. Oh, no, no, it's Arsene Wenger's. It's oh, Ricky Gervais yeah, Ars- is in charge of Zimbabwe. Ricky Gervais, I'm not. And he's he'd be too going, lazy, I think. No, but he'd go, wow. <laughs> Who's the farmland force? <laughs> I'm amazed at how pervasive his style of um, comedy still is. Like his affectations, to be fair to him, still are oh, carried around by uh, like comedians to this day. I say so a lot. and So, you know, you say something that's like a little bit petty or kind of clearly exaggerated then you go so you know it's like do you know what I mean is that a, no give so, me can you, uh, can you use it in a sentence um well you know you know uh this podcast you know is, is getting over 300 views so oh okay well I yes I've only been going like a, yeah but it's doing pretty well so um, yeah, a way to mask your ironic arrogance so, that actually isn't ironic yeah, arrogance. Yeah, I love, I love it. So, so <laughs> you do the working out. So, uh, <laughs> yes, the raised yeah. eyebrow is. Yeah. You're gonna ask me who my boy's boy, my boy gone wild. I thought you asked me to prepare a boy gone wild. Uh, did you? 
And well, my I told you I wanted my boy gone wild to be you. Okay, let's let's we we do that because I originally and then you I, have to ask me about my boy yeah, yeah, gone yeah, wild we, let, and let, what we, I. That's fun. I mean, originally, I did was planning when I was. I'm still trying to work out what this is. Um, this and, podcast, yeah, and so with with getting guests on, I assume better figure like, it out quickly. We're 56 minutes in. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Only was, got four minutes left to work it out. Three now. We haven't started. Uh, this is the preamble, and I'll cut. Are you going to? Is the this. opening credits going to start soon? Welcome. This to, is the cold open. Welcome to Boys Gone Wild. This is Alfie Brown. <laughs> no, uh, let's discuss your Boy Gone Wild this week. Okay, thank you. Take it away. The floor is yours. Um, uh, uh, East London-based um, uh, stand-up and uh, podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, Horatio Gould, uh, formerly of uh, Sussex, sure. um, uh, sired by uh, his parents, whatever their names are, mm. and um, go, go, uh, a fan of uh, a fan of the knockoff Oakley. Yes, and um, lots of what and those represent um, that reality is illusory or something or something. Yes, like that? yes, uh, it's more what I hope to get with the headband and the. Um, sunglasses is life is chaos reality is changing but instead of moralizing and try and make it better hold on and go for the ride it's just a ride yes it's more like it's a whizzing tornado and just jump straight in we cannot be seen to be taking these things too seriously yeah so here i am in a sweat band (laughs) uh okay um i know i understand that and i and i like it i think there's a lot to be said for that i think there's a lot to be said for branding which uh if you're if you're if you're if your oakleys aren't carrying the the weight of that load then the rest of it is certainly being taken on by your moustache yes exactly Uh, there's a lot of and I, and you've got to be. I need to think more heavily about my branding, and maybe that would be another thing we could do on the podcast. Is I could have a a zoomer mm. um, who understands what, the pimp, importance. Pimp of, your millennial. Pimp your millennial. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good there's, idea. There's, <laughs> because there is, I, I'm kind of interested on like how you found lockdown and what you felt about. Um, what do you have? You had any sort of reflections? I think a lot of people have uh, over lockdown. Is there any well, sort of thing that you've realised? I want to, in all earnestness and without you know, uh, with betraying the nature of the comedy podcast slightly, and just answering honestly. Um, it's that section, by the way, so it's fine. It, oh, we're in the real talk plinky plonky section yeah okay um the g dad i guess yeah. i really love your section yeah. uh i um i felt quite uh despairing of the lack of gigs and felt like i um very upset when lockdown first happened in sort of april and may and when i was sort of missing out on doing the melbourne and sydney comedy festivals and yeah. um the uh, you know edinburgh which is just would have just gone and all of these benchmarks in in my year both financially i've lost totally and also spiritually and identity pur- yeah my my purpose as a as a as a person at least as far as my career goes um so how to deal with that i sort of just ignored it and went into a funk and didn't i tried to do something every wednesday called sedentary comedy which as opposed to stand up sort of the closest mm-hmm. i could get in terms of an antonym how does as, it feel as opposed to sit down which i feel is done yeah um and that was fine but there, i didn't really i never monetized it and i never felt like there was a way i wanted to monetize it and i was just sort of doing it to feel what it would be like and then i stopped doing that and then um I feel emboldened by new media and now there is uh, gigs coming back and there are things to think about in terms of, you know, who's gigging more than who and where and who's got what gigs and there's less gigs and all the gigs that you do have pay less money and we don't even know uh, if and to what extent the Edinburgh Festival is going to happen next year and what, what material are we, Mm. what are we writing it for? And what's so these like what i said to you earlier about i've got a i've got a bit that i'm working on i'm not 
I'm sort of working on it when I'm walking around, but not really on stage. I've said it on stage and uh, experimented with different ways of displaying the idea. But like gigging at the moment, why? It's not going to earn you a living. It's not going to, it's not, you're not working towards, uh, it's like going for a 1K jog. If you go do some other exercise, it's pointless. There's not enough jog there to really mm. get anything out of it. So yeah. it, trying to look at things like Twitch, which I find completely perplexing, but have, you know, given it a shot. And actually... Where can um, people find you? Alfie, no, twitch.tv forward slash Alfie Brown Comedian. Thank you. Check it out. It's very good. Um, but I, rather than work out what it is... Away from Twitch and then go to Twitch and go. I've worked out what it is yeah. away from it, and actually think about that so long and dilly dally about it and actually end up never doing it. I've decided to learn whilst doing it and just come to terms with the idea that it might be a bit shit. But I think with Twitch and I have the sneaking suspicion that it's such a new medium that everybody's shit at it mm -hmm. and that nobody's really worked out. Like in the forties, pop music was all awful. And it wasn't until like little Richard came along and went whap bap baloo bap balap bam boom. That and was everybody the went, point. Oh, it's actually you can do I didn't realise you could go whap bap baloo bap balap bam boom to do yeah, fruity. You, these kind of key innovators. <laughs> you're waiting for the little Richard of So I need to work out what um what Twitch's what babaloo bap balap bam yeah. boom moment Twitch is, is gonna in be. It's classical period. It's coming it's gonna come into its classical period very soon. Well whatever yeah, whatever it is, it's not it's Twitch, not the... Twitch will become an art form, much like film, literature, um, and it will have... This is the opening. You'll be one of the early pioneers <laughs> in a thousand years. <laughs> but sorry, um, but back to what you were... Here we see one of our earliest Twitches, <laughs> Alfie Brown. <laughs> who I was the first him. one to bring in the form of crying to Twitch. Because <laughs> you could... It's very... It doesn't have to be positive or negative. You can innovate. You can be the first Twitcher to do so many things because so few people have Twitched. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. Um, I also have opinions on Twitch. But um, so you feel over lockdown, it's sort of like, do you think you've realised fully what, I think now it's, it certainly is what I felt. You kind of realised what stand-up was in your life because it's been taken away in a way it's never been taken away before you understand what it was filling in place of you understand do you know what i mean do you have a better understanding of what stand-up meant means to you um i no i always knew what it meant to me it hasn't changed my perception of what it meant to me and, and no it's not like no surprises that it's it's um the no, I always felt. knew that if you took stand-up away from me, I would find it incredibly difficult to deal with. And, you and I was right. <laughs> uh, like, I w I'm never like, oh yeah. my God, like I didn't who know what knew? I got who till knew it's gone. this thing I did five nights a week for 10 years and that <laughs> was I... quite important to me. <laughs> but also I always knew because other comedians would go, oh God, I've got a gig tonight. And I go, well then don't, pig. Leave That's, it for me. I you... am such a strong, I'm glad you said that because even on the open mic, it's like, I have people who are like, oh, just doing nothing, and like complaining about the grind as if it's an office job or as if they're being forced to do it. And it's like, why are you here if it's not... I mean, especially at open mic, it's not even like you've got to the point where oh, I've been doing it for years and I've got to, you know, it's yeah. not my ideal. Like, this is your... This is Surely. a hobby to you right now uh, and a yeah. dream. So what Surely. the fuck are you doing? I 100% agree. I'm glad you said that. 100, 100 emoji. Yeah, one. Yeah, there we see. You're, you're, you're being welcomed as the, the new age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With grace. Yeah. With grace. Um, but it, so like that bit that I was talking about earlier, like I was thinking, well, what am I going to do with it? Or like that show that I wanted to do that I think I will, that my next show that I sort of want to call Why Even Bother Telling These Jokes? Um could just do it in a little find some interesting way to film it film the bits mm. and slightly amend the way that they're written because the way that you write stand up is not the way that you would write a piece to camera yeah that's just the, the the form of writing will be different the rhythms will be different the performance will be different and do it like that maybe maybe this is you know the time that everything gets reinvented and if i put stuff out while i'm away i'll find it easier to gig when they properly come back but this halfway house between gigs and no gigs is utter shit and i hate it and i wish we'd all just lock down you know and stay in our rooms 
for three months and then when we come out it's just normal again rather than have a little bit of everything for six months i found that at least uh during lockdown at the beginning because no one was gigging i didn't feel much anxiety about gigging because it didn't it felt like we we're all on hold and the 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 usual anxieties I get about gigging are that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not doing interesting enough gigs, I'm not putting myself out there enough. You know, people, are, if I if I miss like a week of gigs, you know, I'm going to lose a place and stuff like that. That all went. But now when it's coming back and you see people regularly doing gigs, like I knew someone was doing five gigs this weekend and I'm not doing any. And that's, I haven't had that those kind of thought, thoughts for ages. Yeah. But then when I started gigging, I did my first gig back and it was like emotional. I was like, oh God, I really realized why, you know, how much I love stand up. This is great. I'm back. I, then I did two other gigs and then I was like, I just finished one and all three of them were nice. And I was like, what? What the, there's no, what, what's missing? And what's missing is that excitement. When you do a gig, it's the excitement is partly, you know, your next gig and where it's leading and where you're going to go next. I'm not just doing gigs for like a kind of like bucket list type thing. Like it's contained. It's kind of gigs are fun partly because of, you know, the progression. That's what's exciting. And then it's just, it's leading nowhere. It just constantly felt novelty mm. and took all fun out of it. Yes. I mean, I think my first gig back, I cried afterwards. And then my second and third, which was sort of spaced out too much. I went, oh, it's not. Exactly the it's same. It's not really, it's not the same. Uh I don't know. I think I, 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 I'm just, I feel interested in the way in which if you're, if you've not got that, but you still want to communicate ideas um, and you still feel like you have ideas worth communicating, but your, but your method is removed from you. Mm. What are you going to do and where are you going to go? And that's sort of what I'm in the middle of figuring out. And that's quite, um, I absolutely hate it when any artist or creator or anything talks about how excited they are about something that's altering in their process. But I will use the word excited, but I will have what, my for cake. For the new challenges. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a really exciting time for me making this yeah, album. Yeah, I have a really yeah, exciting, yeah. I, was, exciting. I was just so excited by the album. Yeah, you know? yeah. I lost yeah, all my hands in the car accident, but now it's kind of exciting to try and relearn how to play the banjo. Bashing the... Um, <laughs> Bashing the strings. It's really, really exciting to bash them sort of, uh, tunelessly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do... Um, I do think something that I've certainly learned um, what's exciting about... As much as like I know you're naturally are not inclined to this internet YouTube thing, uh, the, the thing that I like about it as much as social media is poison. Uh, we all no is that i like the control you can have in a sense that before you're all kind of hustling together to get like a late night spot or like tv and it's all out there and at a moment's notice it can change someone decides for you i like about social media uh, as much shite as there and even though it promotes such awful people often and they get rewarded for their shitness it's still is yours and in control and you can like uh, completely own it and people can watch it freely you know and mm. i think that's what's exciting is coronavirus has taught me and lockdown that at moments notice everything can get taken away you know gigging you can be doing great as a circuit comic you can be uh respected by all comedians uh you can say like constantly getting booked and it's feel like you're Thank on top you. of the world yeah yeah, um, was, yeah. You should meet him. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, he's a great guy. Um, or you could be like... You <laughs> but now, clearly everything can get taken away. And that attitude is nice knowing that if, for example, we into another lockdown, there'd be something I could make. I do. These are my lights. This is in my room. This is. It just feels like I have control in a... Yes, time. I also have just built a content hole. Um, I'm very excited about my content hole. Yeah, so like not only promoting uh, Alfie's Twitch, but just more of a watch this space, isn't watch it? Watch this space. You got anything? By the time to, this comes you got anything out. to plug? Watch this space. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to plug. I'm just a very, I've got some really exciting projects coming up. <laughs> yeah. 
banjo, uh, all yeah. sorts. Um, I yeah yeah. I mean, by the time this comes out, I'll probably have made a feature film. Yeah, on my on Canon your Twitch seven hundred D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that I we've come to the end of the podcast. Um, Do you feel like it's been a good one? Well, how long have we done? Great. One hour fifteen. That's a good length. It's a nice length. Uh, I think it's been really interesting. What's uh, what's what? Nah, doesn't matter. I'll ask you afterwards. Yeah, it's when really we're, boring. When we're, when we're off record, um, it's I I really enjoyed it because uh, I don't uh, fully know what I've never really had guests on before, and I've never really had to speak to uh, comedians who I I like. And I think you're quite good at it. I, I I I'm 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 getting into it. It's more that I listen to I've listened to you on many podcasts, being interviewed by people or, or people like you who I admire their stuff and it's just interesting i've never saw myself as that as like how would i deal with that so it's uh, working that out has been fun mm. um, yeah but, no uh, you, yeah. it's a, a good balance because when somebody it's when it's somebody's podcast and they've got a guest on i always feel there's a good balance between here's my personality but but you you do the, you do some you do you talk now yeah whereas lots of people want to talk over or go this is my podcast i wouldn't need to be i need to be good in the focus of it otherwise yeah i'm dead yeah yeah i it, it's also interesting because i'm now less of a fan of you just by proxy of being friends with you now yeah which no but yeah, that, yeah good good that's safe. yeah that's the right thing there's just too many but pauses there i'm less of a fan of you after speaking for a prolonged hour with yeah, yeah. After, <laughs> now that we've had a pint together well, i now, actually respect you yeah, a lot yes, less yeah, um, perfect but what that's what i've also found interesting with something like this because obviously people i'm inviting on now are people i'm friends with i'm not having uh, is I wonder interviewing you as being involved vaguely in your personal life as friends. It's mm. very different to how maybe I'd speak to you if I'd only listen to you on podcasts and there's still the mystery of you just existing as. Uh, well, I think you have to like it's learning how to speak to somebody if you don't know them particularly well can be a difficult thing, can't it? Like learning the rhythms of their speech and going. Like, I've interviewed people on a thing mm. and not met the person before. Yeah, that's what. And I'm then you've got to it. kind of fucking learn them as well as kind of get the information that you'd like. I mean, it was an absolute fuck nightmare. Um, what was your advice? To you? Yeah, so what was, what is your advice? Uh, listen to them as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, and don't, don't, re reading them won't mm. help you. Listening to them will. Mm. That's nice. Um, normally when I finish this podcast, I, I normally hand it over to have any, ask if there's any closing statements. Um, do we have any final thoughts to conclude what we've discussed today? Um, you don't need any. but uh. Well, I think I'd like to say um, thanks for listening mm -hmm. to Horatio's podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, go back over some other episodes. Yep. So some lots of good stuff to tuck into. Mm -hmm. um, and if ever you feel uh, lost or Great, alone, then... Just don't uh, try and snap out of it. In reality, it's been a pleasure, and thank you very much for having me. And um, and and keep 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 reading the news. See you next week.